Hey listeners, welcome to another special episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. This is our fourth episode in a five-episode series where we are talking about the new book, Flip the Script, by the leaders of Lifeway Kids, who would be myself, Chuck Peters. Hi guys, it's good to have you. My colleagues, Jana Magruder and Stephanie Salvatore. Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome back. So we've been talking quite a bit about the the rich content of this book, the research that has informed this strategy to help churches understand the worldview of the generation that we serve and how it's very different than the one that we grew up in. And we've talked about that in our first episode together about how the way, the fundamental way that kids see the world requires that we take a different approach to reaching them for Jesus and how we build bridges to them. In our last episode, we talked about the need for a consideration of a new model for ministry. Uh, maybe the model that we've been using is a little limited, and we need to think about expanding it uh, to not just assume that kids are arriving ready to listen, to H-E-A-R, but that we can only assume that they are present, H-E-R-E. And when we start with that, we last time talked about this awesome a uh, construct that we have for the outsider in model, how we can intentionally in our kids and student ministries create ways to help kids to break down barriers to belonging and help kids feel emotionally safe so they're ready to hear. So let's recap that spiritual journey pathway. I think that's so key that we go back to that as we start this episode because it it really sets the table for the conversation we want to have today about identity. Yeah. And so if we're looking at the spiritual pathway that we talked about last time, we focused on what it would look like to take three steps back. And so from here, H-E-A-R to here, H-E-R-E, uh, assuming that kids are going to be in all multiple steps of this pathway. Uh, but what would it look like to build ministry around breaking down barriers to belonging? And so how do we set that up? Well, we talked about hearing, I mean, being here, present goes into engaging and listening and understanding more and more about who God is. What we didn't really get to is the second part of the pathway for kids who are beginning their faith journey and growing in their faith journey and then ultimately reaching their friends for the gospel. It's cyclical in that way. Mm -hmm. It goes back to how do I help friends and peers who are just arriving in that first step so what does it look like for the kids who are ready to uh, begin their faith journey? And so we talk about uh, in the growing phase where that discipleship journey really begins uh, about how can we nurture identity? The last time we talked about belonging is really in that first three steps. Now we're in the second three steps, building identity. So, Stephanie, you do a great job of talking about why do we need to nurture identity in today's kids? And, Steph, you may need to take us back to that click. What is that click between belonging and identity yeah. that leads to this? So, for kids in those first three stages of the pathway, strategies that are most effective and most impactful for those kids are all the strategies that help build belonging, create an environment that will help move them toward faith. And as they come to faith, um, they're in that kind of second three steps of the pathway. And during those phases, we really want to focus on um, helping kids find their identity in Christ. So we talked a lot in an earlier episode about um, expressive individualism and that the culture today 
is just pressing in on kids constantly that they need to define themselves. The meaning of life is to find yourself, to define yourself. Um, and, and don't look outside of yourself for that answer. Look inward. And so what we really want to do is um, come alongside kids and help them see that they don't look inward to find their identity and they don't look to the world to find their identity. But we want to nurture an identity that's based on God's character. So we want them to help. We want to help them understand that their identity, or their identity, is um, defined by who God is and what He's like, and that's the only place where they find true belonging. In fact, we can't know who we are without knowing who God is. Right. That's how it is. And so, one of the huge fallacies of the culture of a secular culture is that when you take God out of that, it's no wonder that people can't find who they really are. Because looking within, looking to self is always going to be empty. Uh, we are made by God, and so it's only in him that we can find our true identity. Right. And it's because of that need that we've identified that we developed um, a whole section of this book around helping kids understand who they are because of who God is. And so I love how we, we talked about in chapter four, from identity lost to identity found in Christ. How do we flip the script from identity lost to identity found in Christ, which is countercultural to everything that our kids are hearing today about where identity comes from? And so we, oh man, how long has it been, guys? Like two years where we started this conversation of what would it look like to develop 12 simple truths that we can help kids understand who they are? And are there more than 12? Absolutely. Sure, sure. There's an unlimited number. There's an right? unlimited number. But we decided to identify 12 simple biblical identity truths that, uh, that listeners, you can use to help uh, the kids that you serve understand who they are in Christ. Um, they, are, they are listed in the book, not only listed, but... Uh, uh, expanded upon in the book, but we want to talk to you about them today in this episode. Uh, you can take some notes, certainly grab a copy of the book, uh, and if you have it digitally already, you can uh, uh, pull up chapter four, which is begins on page 69, and we're going to walk through the 12 truths. Now, before we begin, and Chuck, I really want to sort of <laughs> let you for the first time be a participant because you wrote. Oh, most... I always participate. Yeah, well, I know you do. I'll be more of the. I'll let you host. How's okay, that? okay. Yeah, you take the lead. Uh, I'll do that to sort of set you up to to be able to talk uh, in a little bit more length about each of the truths uh, because you wrote a lot of this, and I want you to be able to um, to be the expert, if you will. And, and talk to our listeners about it. Before that, um, I want to talk about how we organized these 12 truths because they're not just random. They actually have a, an organizational factor, uh, Stephanie, that as you um, were designing these and, uh, and, and making it as accessible to our readers, which is the beauty of Flip the Script listeners, is that there are so many visual constructs that we as a team developed, and Stephanie was able to give visual organization to. Um, and so within the 12 truths, you started, as you were working on these, identifying the fact that they were naturally almost falling into three big categories. Talk to us about those. Sure. So you'll remember when we were ideating this, uh, we had this whiteboard with 
zillions of truths. We did. So many truths yes. up on that board. And, uh, you know, then we kind of went through a process of narrowing them down. Like if we what, what are the 12 things that we just would not want our kids to grow up and not know these? And we narrowed them down to 12. And at that point, we were kind of looking at that and knowing that, gosh, 12 single things are really hard to remember and grasp. Is there some kind of organizing principle that we could apply to these 12 that would make them into smaller chunks? And so as we looked at them, they just sort of naturally fell into these three chunks of four. And those three chunks are God's passion for me. So truths that revolve around how God is passionate for me. Um, They fell into the second grouping of what is my position before God? And then a third grouping of truths that fell into um, what is God's plan for my life or what is my purpose? And I love that they all start with P. God's, <laughs> God's, let's be honest. I mean, this is my love language. God's passion, his, my position in his plan. I just love that. Very easy to remember as we think about these truths. Right. And like I said, they're not just randomly identified. They really do uh, they apply to kids who are di- in different parts of that pathway. So kids who are pre-faith, some of these statements about who they are apply to them. And for some who are already in their faith journey, there are statements that apply to them. And we'll get into that a little bit um, as we're talking them through. Uh, we, they are all stated as I am statements. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Why did we choose to frame them that way, because uh, that could seem a little self-centered. Do we really want kids to talk about I, I, I all the time? But really, if you think about it, they're more, they're really God truths. They so are. Talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, and it's, so we, taking it back to what you said just a moment ago, as we looked at all those truths on that whiteboard, and we, we ran it through that filter stuff of, boy, if we had to really boil this down to what are the base level core things that we want every kid needs to know this before they leave our church. Our children need to know these things before they leave our homes. What would those things be? And it's that ignited a passion in us, right? To say, boy, these are really important things. Yes, there's thousands of truths that we can know about who God is and about who we are, but to bring it down to these 12, um, it's, uh, there's excitement in this. And then uh, to impress the idea of impressing these on our children while they're still young, while they're still teens, while they're still in the home is so valuable as they grow up and go to live in a culture that is counter to all of these truths. And so we, we, we identified that, that our kids constantly are barraged with identity messages from the culture. You can't watch a movie or listen to a podcast or a YouTube video, or it's just every, it per, it's pervasive and persuasive, the secular worldview that says your life is all about you. It's about your happiness, about your preference, about you determining what you want to be. It, that is anti-biblical, all of it. And it even permeates our churches sometimes with the way that we go about things. And so we need to meet kids where they are. And at the end of it, something that I'm passionate about is that we need kids to know that their faith is more than what they know. It's more than what they do. So it's not what you know or what you do. It's about who, the who of who you are. And we cannot, as we said, we cannot talk about who we are, the I am part about this without connecting it back to the great I am, right? Because I am who I am because he is 
who he is. Right. And so every one of these is really a two-part thing. Mm-hmm. Although we're leading with the I am statement, and we'll get to those in a minute, every I am statement is really connected to because God is. Right. And so let's dive in. We keep saying we're going to talk about it. Let's dive in and uh, and talk about what these truths are and the I p- part of them, but also the God part of them. Uh, and and let's just let's just tackle it. Okay. So truth number one is I am known. And by the way, the first four truths we're going to talk about are God's passion for me, which we which Stephanie helped us decide uh, how to organize. So God's passion for me, the first one, I am known. Where did that come from? Well, and so let's also identify as we dive in here that these are not ranked. So it's not like this is the number one truth. There, there are 12 altogether. And so we had to put them in some kind of order, but these are not dependent on one another in a sense that they're not prerequisite. These are 12 truths and each truth stands alone. Uh, these truths actually inform a new curriculum resource. Can I drop that here that we're working on? I was going to talk about that. Okay. Well, it's called Hi-Fi. Yes. H-Y-F-I. H-Y-F-I. Here you find identity. Here you feel included. Yes. Here you find identity. Mm-hmm. Here you, yeah. And so these truths in the, the, the research and strategy in this book have, have inspired us to create or have informed a new resource that we're creating as Lifeway Kids. You can find out more at myhifi.com, M-Y-H-Y-F-I.com. There's a little commercial in there. Right. So listeners, if you <laughs> love these, as we finally talk about them, you uh, you can check out myhifi.com and see how we've actually built um, a curriculum plan around the 12 truths. So, but if you don't, they also apply for just understanding um, about where kids are and what they need to know about their identity in Christ. Yeah, and at the end of the day, this is not about a curriculum. No, this it's isn't, really not. This is really about what kids need to know, and we yeah. can teach this anyway, Absolutely. any way we need to. We need to, but we need to speak these truths over them. So, the number one truth, which is not number one, force <laughs> ranked, but the first one we'll talk Gotta about start is somewhere. I am known. Yes, and so kids live in a culture where they feel uh, invisible and overlooked. Um, they many of them are isolated and lonely. They feel like they don't have real friends. Nobody truly loves them uh, or really knows them. And, and so there's this deep need to be known. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the sense of belonging as part of the click, the belonging and identity click. Kids are longing for belonging. And part of that is I want someone to know me and really care for me uh, for who I am. And so the truth that God knows you it is so important for a kid to know uh, that, that, that he sees you, uh, that, that you're never out of his sight, that he hears you. Psalm 139 is a, a beautiful passage that lets us know that God always sees you. Uh, he knows when you get up and when you lie down. You, there's nowhere you can hide from him. Uh, the darkness is like light to him, right? All, uh, and, we, and, and we know that he sees not only the external, but he hears us when we pray. He also sees us every day. Um, He uh, he knows our thoughts before we speak. God knows your inner person. And so the idea that you are known by God shows that you are special and that you are of value. Absolutely. And the three of us, as we've developed this, I think we're so um, taken by this one as parents. All of these came from sort of our need as parents who are desperately fighting this fight uh, from our families, not just as ministry leaders. And so this one really, I remember, 
struck us as being so, so important. Kids need to know that God knows their name and their needs and their situations, and he cares about those things. Absolutely. So that leads us into the second one, uh, which is I am uniquely designed. We want kids to understand that God made them in his image. They are image bearers and uh, and they're uniquely designed. Yeah, because the world tells our kids that they are an an accident of nature. Right. That they're the product of thousands of years of of evolution and that there's no you you are just a collection of cells. Yeah. uh, Who's who in life is meaningless. And that is so contrary to the word of God saying that you were made on purpose and for purpose, that God designed everything about you, uh, that uh, whether it's your, your, uh, your hair color, the sound of your voice, the, 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 the way that you walk, God made you exactly who you are and how you are, and God doesn't make mistakes. So as we get into things, and although we're not talking specifically about some of those hard, hard issues that we're dealing with in the culture, things like gender identity and dysphoria and things like that, that kids are dealing with the idea that you are not a random accident, the idea that you are not, uh, you don't just decide yourself, but that God made you as a unique, special masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, he's spoken to who you are because he made you how you are. Absolutely. Such an important message, uh, for them to understand, uh, the next one, as we're talking about loneliness and that epidemic, which is um, pervasive in our culture, uh, we want kids to understand that they are never alone. Yeah. Talk to us about Man, that. And God's omnipresence is something that kids need to be taught. Yeah. They, because we, in a couple of ways. One, because we, they feel lonely and isolated. And maybe physically they are. Maybe relationally they are, right? Because we know there are shallow relationships uh, that kids are longing for belonging and connection, they're lonely. Uh, so just knowing that God is present with them is a comfort, but also knowing that there's nowhere they can hide from God, that he's constantly with them in times of trouble, in times of fear, uh, in times of loneliness. God is with them. He's with them in their anxieties. God is with you always because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere always. There's nowhere you can go to not be with him. And so the idea that God is not distant, he is near, he sees, he hears, and he loves you. You're never alone. And I love how these are so simple, yet so profound. And there's some deep theological truths yeah. in all of that, that we are teaching, but through simple truth. And it's so hard to talk about these and not get a little bit emotional. I know. <laughs> right? Because God, we are... We as the church, we as leaders of ministers to kids and students, we have to be passionate about this. What all of these show is what the next truth is called. I am loved. I am loved. Absolutely. That God not only designed you, he not only sees you, he's not only always with you, but that he deeply and dearly loves you. It's not about what you do. It's about who the value he's given you. And he loves us through Christ, right? He loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us, to redeem us from that. His design is to, is to uh, it's not just that he, he loves, but that he is love. Mm. And the idea that that is God's identity uh, just permeates the fact that you are loved. And so many kids feel unloved and unlovable. And mm-hmm. to know that there's a God who doesn't love them conditionally, but unconditionally. And in Christ, 
positionally, right? That, that love uh, is something that is part of God's nature and his plan for us. And if we don't know that, we need to know his son. So that leads us into the next uh, four, grouping of four, uh, which is my position before God. And so that sort of turns into um, who we are as sinners. And so truth number five is I am broken. How do we explain that to kids? That's yeah, a hard we, word. And we, and you know, leaders, you may be like broken. What is, what is that word? So yeah. we, we were very careful as we talked through this concept because we, we can't talk about the gospel without talking about sin. Right. We have to. But we know that the culture, the secular culture, the worldview that our kids are living in, that they're immersed in, our kids and students, that idea of absolutes is, doesn't connect with them. This is where we have to build a bridge to the culture. And so the notion that uh, people are sinful by nature and deserve punishment because of that is antithetical to the worldview, the secular worldview that kids are coming from. However, kids in this generation are very aware of brokenness. Right. It's all around them. They see, you can't not see that the world is broken. They know that relationships are broken. Families are broken. Uh, friendships are broken. Uh, we can explain that that broken and that they're broken within, right? Our, our thoughts are broken. My emotions are broken. My motives are broken. All those internal broken things. Kids are aware of those things. That's why there's such anxiety about trying to fix myself, right? So they're, they're, they don't deny brokenness. They deny that they don't understand that that brokenness is the, the result of sin and our sin nature. And so we use the word broken as a bridge to introduce the concept that, man, sin, going back to VBS terminology, sin messed everything up. And the world's a broken place. We are broken people. And only God, only God fixes broken things in this way. And he does that through Jesus. So the idea that we're broken builds a bridge to the, to the concept of sin, to the need for a savior, and directly to Jesus. We want kids to understand that they are broken, but not beyond repair. That's right. And so that leads us into the sixth truth, which is I am forgiven. Yes. And ultimately, you can't separate brokenness from forgiveness uh, or forgiveness from brokenness. Uh, we need to understand that we're broken so that we can see the need for forgiveness. Uh, although we're broken by sin, God doesn't leave us in that brokenness, right? He, he, we are not broken beyond repair. Uh, he is good. He's a good and just judge. Uh, in the evil world, but he's also merciful and provides forgiveness uh, for our rebellion. God, he removes, and what, what that looks like is, is the change of identity. Mm -hmm. we, without Christ, pre-Christ, we are broken, and that's our identity. We're broken. But in Christ, this becomes a little bit conditional in that way, right? This is not true universally for all people. Right. The, the truth of I am forgiven is an in Christ truth, and only in Christ is that, does that forgiveness come and so we need to teach it in a way that says that. But the idea that God takes away the, our broken identity and gives us an identity of forgiveness as a son or daughter of his in Christ is where we need to take them. Which leads to uh, kids being able to say, I am set apart. What did we mean by that when we, when we uh, identified that kids need to know that they're set apart? Yeah, and this is one that I think a lot of kids in church struggle with mm -hmm. because they want to be they, they have a dual identity. 
going back to James, you know, we, we can be double-minded and unstable in all our ways. We, we can walk the line. Uh, one of the reasons possibly uh, that we might speculate as to why do you kids leave the church when it's time to grow up is because they sort of have this dual identity. They're at, on the one hand, they identify with the events and activities and people and practices of being at church. But on the other hand, they really also want to identify with the ways of the world and the things of the world. And so the, this truth that I'm set apart is a call to tell kids, God didn't make you to be like the world. He, we are supposed to be different and set apart. That's the word holy, right? Mm-hmm. And sanctified. We're set apart for a special purpose. And when you're in Christ, you are not supposed, you're not going to look like everyone else and speak like everyone else and act like everyone else and go where they go and do what they do and be like that. That's, we are changed. Uh, we're a new creation. And so the idea that being set apart really means living in ways that glorify God instead of being shaped by the patterns and behaviors of the world, uh, we, are, we have a new identity in being set apart for him. We're special, valuable, and we're set apart by him. And that leads us to truth number eight. I am secure. Now, we wrestled with this one uh, because there was some talk about uh, I am safe versus I am secure. Right. Why did we land on I am secure and not I am safe? Well, safety is safety is really subjective, right? And so there could be a child, uh, and, and security is determined by your position in Christ. Uh, so what we mean by security is that when you are in Christ, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. You're secure. You're, and in him, you are you can be confident of your position before God, that you are forgiven, that you are headed for heaven, and that you have a new identity, right? But so safety, uh, we may have kids who, who know the, the Lord and are eternally secure, but who live in a, in a dangerous home where there could be abuse or where there's bullying or where there's difficulty in their lives, where there's sickness, uh, where there are tragedies that happen in the broken world. We can't promise a kid that they are always safe. And God doesn't promise that we will always be safe. He promises he will always be with us. And he promises that in Christ, our salvation is secure. secure. Well, I'm going to move us along uh, to the next or the last section of four, which is God's plan for my life. And so once kids uh, have found their identity in Christ and are, are, have professed faith in Jesus, uh, then there's a plan. These truths apply to them. So truth number nine, I am made for community. Yeah. We, we, kids are struggling and suffering. You often say, Jana, there was, a, there was an epidemic before the pandemic, an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And that is true. And that's only been compounded through the pandemic. Kids feel lonely and isolated. And the truth is, that's a tool of the enemy. Satan wants to divide and conquer. He separates us. And so the, the unity of believers, the fellowship of believers that God intended us for, he never intended us to be lonely. The first thing he said about Adam in the garden is it's not good for him to be alone. Right. right? He, he, he designed us for relationship. We use the word community because we wanted to figure out what's a good way to communicate that to a kid, right? Wow. Design for relationship is a little harder, but the concept is God does not intend for you to be lonely or alone or isolated. It's not his plan. That's why he gave us the church. And the church is 
his family. It's the family that we are adopted into when we become a follower of Jesus. And so we're there's so many things of value that come from that relationship that we, all the one another's, we encourage one another, we build each other up, right? That's, uh, that's God's plan for community. We don't do our life in Christ alone. We do it together with other believers. Truth number 10, I am meant to know God. Yeah. So we started with the idea that I am known by God. Truth one was you are known. It's important to know that God knows you, but it's incredibly important for kids to know that God's intent is for them to know him. God is not a distant, cold, uh, impersonal God. He has made himself knowable, and his desire is not only for us to know that he knows us, but for us to know him. That God's word is a, is a book of revelation of who God is, and so he intends for us to know him. He's knowable. He wants you to know him. You are meant to know God. Which leads us to truth number 11. I am designed for a purpose. Kids need to know what their purpose is. Yeah, we like to say kids are designed on purpose. They're not an accident. They're a design, but for purpose. God has a meaning for your life. He gives meaning to your life. You were designed to do good things and God things for the kingdom. Now, we want to be careful because it's not about good works as mm-hmm. such, but I think of Ephesians 2.10, it's we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God designed ahead of time for us to do. So it's very biblical that God intends for his people to be ambassadors of his in the culture. We are meant to do good things. That's a, maybe that's another truth that we're going to get to. No, we got that. Uh, so I, I'm designed for purpose says that there's a reason for your life. God doesn't just take us to heaven when we accept Christ. He leaves us here to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our culture. We're designed for a purpose. And that big purpose is in truth 12. I am here to share Jesus. Yeah. And at the end of it, all of life is really comes down to those two things. It's to know him and make him known, know him and make him known. Uh, And and our big purpose is the great commission. Our mission is the great commission. And that hasn't changed. And even as culture changes, even as the world changes and the way that we have to interface with the different challenges of the world, the purpose is the same. And that's our job is to make sure that we tell our friends and our neighbors and the world who Jesus is as forgiven people, as broken people who have been repaired in Christ. Our, our natural response should be to bring our broken friends to him as well so that we can see them fixed and healed and changed. It's all about all of these, as we had started out, simple biblical identity truths This is who you are because of who God is. And that is exciting that these 12 truths could be something that we make sure that every child understands about who they are because of who God is. And so uh, finishing up with the spiritual pathway, like I said earlier, the last step is uh, reaching. Kids who are in that reaching phase are in truth number 12, I am here to share Jesus. And so that all goes back to how do I reach my friends and peers who come to my church for the first time uh, in the here category, then that comes full circle. And that's really exciting to see. It's really amazing to think that uh, these 12 truths could be something that churches could use to make sure that we are uh, combating that cultural message that kids are faced with about who they are. 
who their identity is. What we teach matters. Mm-hmm. What we teach matters. We can believe all these things, and I think we would all agree that these are things that we want kids to know. But are we intentionally, as the church, speaking directly to the deep need that kids have to find identity and showing them not just biblical facts about trivia, uh, and not just telling them what to do or not do, but saying, guys, what your faith is, is it's not, it's who you are. It's a change of identity, and God uh, has intended for you. He's told you exactly who you are to be, who he intends you to be. We need to make sure that we're faithful to tell that to kids. Chuck, thank you so much for being on the other side of the mic, uh, so to speak, and sharing from your heart about these 12 truths that we were all able to work on together, but you really took it to the next level as you developed the message in Flip the Script around these 12 truths. Well, thank you. Let me flip back to the other side of the mic. Okay. Hey, listeners. You, <laughs> hey, listen, all these things that we've talked about make up this scope and sequence, the study plan for our brand new curriculum line that launches in the fall. It's called Hi-Fi, H-Y-F-I, Hi-Fi, and you can find information at myhifi.com, M-Y-H-Y-F-I.com. And that's a place you can go right now and you can look at samples from the resource. It's all digital. And it's really a place that brings together faithfulness, which is fidelity of content, uh, fun, which we know kids need as a bridge to draw them in, and flexibility. It's an all digital resource that allows you to customize uh, a study plan or your experience each week uh, to help bring those outsiders in and create a context that does the things we're talking about. So that's high five. Please go check that out. We also want to make sure you know that you can get a free copy of the Flip the Script book in digital format at lifeway.com slash flip the script download. Trey, let's put that in the show notes. If you're looking at this in kidsministry101.com on that webpage, we invite you to go there, click on this episode, look in the show notes for that link. So you can get your free copy of the Flip the Script book in digital format. Stephanie, thank you for being here again today. Sure. I know I talked a lot. (laughs) Jana, thank you for hosting today. That was actually really fun. It was my honor. Listeners, we love you and appreciate you. Thank you for serving the kids in families in your community to reach them for Jesus. And we hope that this information encourages, inspires, and equips you to do that better. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back another time for the next episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.